You are listening to a roundup of my posts in Anchor this week. I'd love to hear from you, so please feel free to call into the station. And thanks for stopping by. Today is Monday, the 3rd of July, 2017. Thank you for stopping by. There's quite a few things actually I wanted to talk about today, but as these segments are limited to five minutes, I'll just pick two or three and then um, no doubt touch on the others during the course of the week. So the first thing I wanted to talk about today was something that's known as Ikigai. That's Ikigai, which is a Japanese concept meaning a reason for being. It's quite hard to describe in an audio format, but um, the reason I was mentioning it was I came across this image um, last week. And basically you've got Ikigai right at the center of what essentially are four overlapping circles in a kind of Venn diagram. And some of the fields that you see in this image are passion, mission, vocation and profession, as well as what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you are good at. And when all of that gets figured itself out, um, in the middle of this diagram is Ikigai, so a Japanese concept meaning a reason for being. I thought it was a pretty cool um, image and obviously shared it on uh, social media. The other thing I wanted to talk about today is something I haven't really mentioned so far, and that is um, pet bereavement support. As I mentioned in the introduction to this Anchor channel, um, I set up the Ralph site, which is a non-profit pet loss support resource, which is basically a website and um, a private Facebook group and a popular Facebook page. And I set that up back in 2011. It's named after a cat that I had at the time called Ralph, who died in November um, 2010. And kind of after he died, I was, you know, after a few days, just starting to feel a little bit better, I thought... Wouldn't it be wonderful to get online and tell the world what a lovely cat Ralph was? And really it was from there that the whole thing sort of spiraled into what has now become the Ralph site. Um, and actually Ralph is the very same cat after which the referral center is going to be named the Ralph. So he's uh, he's uh, got a max massive legacy. Anyway, the, the main thing I wanted to say today really was that, you know, I've been running the Ralph site basically on my own for six years plus. Um, which means I've read hundreds or more Facebook posts, um, memorials that are created on the website, emails that people send me. Um, it's sometimes difficult to know what to say to people when they're very bereaved uh, in that sort of first and often most raw and emotionally draining period of grief. Um, but actually the thing I hear most often from people is that what they find most useful is just the support of like-minded people who understand why they feel the way they do about their pets. Um, and really, it's not so much about trying to fix anything. It's really just about being there to understand, provide support and comfort and give them the time and especially the place to share their grief because often people feel like others think that they are being stupid or unreasonable or saying things like, it's just a dog or it's just a cat. So, um, you know, I just I guess I was prompted to mention this because I received another email from somebody telling me about her dog that died recently and sharing photos with me. And really, it's always a very lovely experience. And all I really ever do is just say thank you for the for them sharing and just, you know, let them know that um, I and others are there to understand. 
And then just to end this segment today, complete um, complete switching really, but um, one of the things I wanted to touch on briefly relates to entrepreneurship and this whole notion of speed versus perfection. All entrepreneurs will be very familiar with the idea, and especially when you're founding a new business, but potentially forever really, that there is always an unlimited amount of things to do. And, um, you know, really the idea, as far as I'm concerned, is that you've got to keep trying to go forward. And one of the issues that people struggle, I think, a lot with is trying to perfect everything. But, of course, sometimes perfection takes longer and, you know, slows the momentum. That's not to say that you should do things in a haphazard and not very good fashion. But it's about kind of having some perspective and prioritizing. So, for example, you know, is the task that you're trying to achieve, is it one that really warrants as high a standard as possible or is something better than nothing you get it done and you move on and so this whole balance between speed and perfection is something that no doubt will come back to in a future uh, segment and have a bit more time to talk around anyway gotta go thanks for listening and i'll catch you tomorrow bye today is tuesday the 4th of july 2017 actually it's um already the 5th of July, but we'll just keep that to ourselves. It's about half past midnight. <clears throat> so today was a, another long day of um, just getting stuff done, really. Um, one of those days where, you know, sometimes you think a task is going to get you take you a certain amount of time and it ends up taking you longer. And actually, that's a pretty common occurrence, isn't it, with some things? Um, one of the things I have to do at the moment... Um, as a founder and with sort of limited funding and so forth is uh, to do, uh, you know, a bunch of social media type of work. Um, I'm a big believer in digital marketing. It's obviously become a pretty big deal and I think it's only going to get more important. Um, but, you know, so this afternoon I had to spend some, had to spend some time uh, preparing a video and sharing it on various social media platforms it always takes um, an undue amount of time, but there we go. Um, I did manage to sneak a cheeky dinner in with a good friend of mine and it was quite interesting actually because from both our ends the conversation um, quite quickly got onto culture and people and people management and understanding people and those sorts of topics um, which obviously is a massive part of what I'm doing at the moment and will only escalate as um, the team grows. Um, one of the things that she she said to me, which you know we we've heard of before, but is definitely worth re-emphasizing, is this notion of emphasizing your strengths and sort of ignoring your weaknesses. I think conventionally people tend to say, oh, you know, you should identify your weaknesses and then work to try and improve those. But there's another lens, which is to say, well, you know what focus on your strengths, identify your strengths, be self-aware, know what you're good at, and then double down on those strengths and don't worry so much about your weaknesses and trying to spend time improving those. And depending on the nature of those weaknesses, of course, if possible, you can get other people to help you with the things that you're not particularly good at. But of course, there I'm referring to more practical task execution as opposed to you know, personality-related weaknesses that only you can work on. But, um, you know, say this idea that maybe it's uh, a better plan to focus and double down on your strengths than spend too much time worrying about your weaknesses. So that's certainly um, something that's interesting. 
The other thing I wanted to mention briefly today um, is the subject of consciousness. Now, that's not something we can get into really in, a, in what's basically another two minutes left of this segment. But um, I guess to really what I wanted to say was, you know, do you think that there is more out there than we know? Um, because once we're open-minded about that and once we accept that we think that there is, then in some ways all bets are off as to what there might be. So I must admit, you know, some people obviously talk about religion and this notion of God and different people might have a different take on what they mean. Um, some people talk about the source, some people talk about the force, the universal consciousness, whatever we're, we may be talking about. But it's this kind of acknowledgement that there is more out there than we we can we can certainly more than we can touch, but it's more than we can maybe appreciate, more than has been, well, I would say proven, but I suppose it depends on whose take you, you ask for on that in terms of what has and has not been proven. But certainly for me, I'm, um, you know, uh, in the camp of believing that there is a lot more going on in the universe than we, we know. Um, even those that know more than most, even more than what they know, there's a lot more going out there on that there. And there's this whole notion of consciousness and mass consciousness and the idea that we're all linked by the same consciousness to the same source. Um, and this leads me on to something else that uh, I'm going to mention only very briefly. But one of the things I have been watching recently in these fleeting moments of escapism and self-education is a series that's focused all about the secret space program. Essentially the idea that there's a lot more going on in space. Uh, mankind related and a lot more is known about space and about um, extraterrestrial beings and so on than anyone wants to confess and let on but I'm just going to leave that dangling there and no doubt we'll come back to it at a later date this whole idea of the uh, secret space program okay thanks for stopping by and I will catch you tomorrow cheers bye today is Wednesday the 5th of July 2017 thank you as always for stopping by so today was another um, very varied day, actually. It's amazing the uh, the breadth of different areas that um, end up getting covered in, in one day's worth of work. Um, one of the things I wanted to, uh, I guess, vent a little bit about today was um, meetings and the scheduling of meetings. Um, I remember a while back I tested this sort of artificial intelligence uh, scheduling assistant and... Um, it worked pretty well, actually, but I didn't pursue it because I wasn't arranging that many meetings. Um, but it might be something that I'm going to end up having to revisit because sometimes it can take like just so much of your time as to schedule a meeting when there's more than one person involved, especially. Um, and I know there are different solutions and different entrepreneurial type people use different things, um, scheduling software and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm going to have to give that a little bit of thought because I can't spend this long organizing meetings um the the other thing i wanted to uh to talk about today was corporatization or corporate consolidation um you may or may not be aware that in the united kingdom the veterinary sector is currently in the middle of a bubble if you like of um corporatization so corporatization of the veterinary sector in the united states has been a phenomenon for much longer but um, it's probably been in the last five years 
a bit more, I guess, in the UK that it's gained momentum, and especially in, in more recent times, it seems to be a, a bit of a frenzy at the moment. Um, and of course, there are potentially pros and cons of corporatization. And it was interesting today to see that one of the um, VET congresses that's coming up, there's going to be some sort of debate about the pros and cons of corporatization. Um, I think it's easy to end up tainting everyone with the same brush, but I must admit that I'm very uh, much, I think, on the side of not being a fan. And certainly the referral center that I'm setting up is um, you know, going to be independent and remain that way forever. Um, so, you know, but it's interesting because I had some discussions today with, um, somebody that has a lot of exposure to corporatization in the veterinary sector in terms of confidential and private information. And obviously I can't disclose any of the detail, but, um, it's pretty astounding to see how much money has been just poured into the sector. Um, and you know, people sometimes ask the question, well, why do people that have worked so hard to build up their own practice end up selling? And, you know, certainly, um, the amount of money being offered is certainly one of the things I can certainly see why people who potentially never expected to be, you know, to have so much money offered to them at some point in their career um, would be keen to accept such an offer. As I say, I've got some views and some personal circumstances around all of this that um, I can't really get into in a short segment like this. But, um, you know, it's certainly an area that's of, of interest to me in terms of what's going on in the sector. Um, something else I wanted to touch on, which is, again, a slight tangent to all of that, is this concept of work-life balance. And um, I was listening the other day to something um, by Tony Robbins. I'm sure many of you will know of Tony Robbins. And he was saying how he doesn't believe in the concept of work-life balance because he, he would rather speak about work-life integration. And that, that, again, is not a new concept in and of itself, but it's essentially the idea that if you can position yourself in such a way that the work that you do every day in inverted commas um, is something that you're hugely passionate about and something that you know you feel is fulfilling a purpose um, is your ikigai as I mentioned on a previous episode um, then you know the, the sort of margins between work and life become blurred because really you are doing what you are passionate about and you are trying to fulfill your life's purpose now, that doesn't mean that I'm saying that, you know, all other aspects of your life are okay to, to be neglected so that you can continue to do the work in inverted commas. But I certainly think that um, when you are putting in a lot of hours and it's about achieving a purpose, fulfilling a dream, founding something that you're passionate about, etc., then, you know, because people sort of often say, oh, you know, don't work too hard and have some work-life balance and so on. And I often think, well, what what if you're pursuing your life's purpose? Does that really make sense? Anyway, um, again, running out of time, so got to go. Thanks for listening. Catch you soon. Bye. Today is Thursday, the 6th of July, 2017. As always, thanks for stopping by. Um, so I had a nice day today, actually. It was <laughs> relatively calm compared to some. Um, one of the things, actually, that was interesting was... You know, sometimes you have a day and it's full and then some space opens up um, that you weren't expecting and somehow it seems like a, a treat. Um, I was supposed to have a meeting this evening that actually I was really looking forward to with um, a veterinary nurse that had contacted me a while ago about a possible job at uh, the referral centre that I'm setting up. And to be fair, we're not really doing much promotion about the referral centre at the moment because it's some way off. 
Um, but we have gone public about our plans and uh, it's very lovely that probably every two, three weeks I get an email from somebody rather uh, inquiring about a job. Anyway, um, I was scheduled to meet with her because I always like to have a, a coffee and a chat and get to know people a little bit better and make sure that they're aware of you know, what we're planning uh, culturally, etc. at the, the hospital. Um, but she had to cancel at the last minute. And what really got me thinking was actually she does what's called float shifts, which means that basically she has agreed to be available for any shifts that need covering. And obviously this is not a, a new phenomenon in different sectors, but um, it did make me wonder what kind of a lifestyle that is where you're not really sure what you're going to be doing from day to day and, you know, have something that's scheduled so far in advance and then have to cancel at the last minute. It was certainly an interesting insight into that kind of lifestyle. Um, the other thing that sort of happened today that uh, is quite interesting is, I'm not sure if you're aware, but um, Facebook have released uh, something called Workplace with an affiliated app called WorkChat. Um, you may have come across Slack. I think a lot of people have come across Slack, uh, at least more techie and kind of businessy type people. Uh, simply put, Slack is a software as a service. It's actually free. Uh, up to a certain scale, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, people use it for workplace communications. You have channels and you can speak to, um, you know, people within certain groups and they can be open or closed or secret and you can tag and import files and do all kinds of integrations with other apps and so on. Anyway, Slack is, uh, you know, pretty well known, I think, among people that do that sort of thing. And I've always had uh, plans to trial it because... Um, I've always wondered what we're going to be using at the referral center for our own internal type of communications. And that's very much an area that's to be resolved. Um, as it happens, Facebook, uh, very recently, maybe two, three weeks ago, uh, have released workplace and work chat into the United Kingdom. I'm not sure if it was available elsewhere sooner. Um, and it looks to me like basically they're trying to compete with Slack and essentially create a workplace, you know, work solution for communications. Um, it's worth noting that it's separate to your personal Facebook, so you register using your work email and um, you set up company profiles. And it has a lot of the same functionality, though, as normal Facebook does, so you can have groups and events and tag people. But the groups can also be open, closed, or secret. Um, and so I guess one thing it has going for it already is that a lot of people are already very familiar with how Facebook works, and so this is just... a an extension of that really and when you you know onboard people onto workplace and work chat they will very likely already be familiar with a lot of the functionality because they've used facebook and messenger before um and possibly that has uh, you know that's something that's got in its favor it is um free at a certain level but you do also have to pay at a certain level but anyway we're, we're i'm just testing it out with a couple of um, team members see how we get on with it and then we'll decide what we do going forward um Actually, what I was going to talk about today in this episode was this whole vast area that um, I encountered several times today, which is to do with uh, risk-benefit assessment when you do clinical practice and also evidence-based veterinary medicine. Um, but as the segment won't be going on for very much longer, um, I think what I'll do is I will leave that for today and we'll definitely uh, touch on it tomorrow because it's an area that um, we're no doubt going to revisit many times in the future. Um, so slightly shorter episode today, but thanks for listening and I'll catch you again tomorrow. Cheers. Bye. Today is Friday, the 7th of July, 2017. Thank you for stopping by once again. 
So today, um, I wanted to really carry on what I said I would do from yesterday and just talk a little bit about a couple of key concepts in medicine. Um, I was prompted to talk about this because I was listening to a discussion yesterday um, from human medicine, actually, about blood transfusion. And in that discussion, the um, expert blood bank person that was being interviewed mentioned two key concepts that are things that um you know always front and center in my mind as well um and things i try and talk about when i'm teaching you know veterinary emergency and critical care to people the first concept is this concept of risk uh, benefit assessment so basically the idea that anything we do in medicine obviously it doesn't just apply to medicine but that's um you know what we're focusing on here anything we do in medicine is really supposed to be um done in the backdrop of an assessment of what are the potential risks to the patient and what are the potential benefits to the patient and obviously we try and shoot for situations where treatments, procedures, other interventions have a positive risk to benefit uh, analysis so the benefits outweigh the risk um, and obviously that won't always play out that way but certainly at least we start off with that um, hope and expectation so that was one thing he mentioned in the context of areas where, you know, there were risks, but um, they perceived the, the benefits to be greater. But the other thing he got onto was this topic of evidence-based medicine. And um, again, that's a whole, you know, topic and area in its own right. But um, certainly in human medicine, evidence-based medicine has been around for a much longer period of time than it has in veterinary medicine. It's a much more recent concept um, or I guess I should say it's starting to get a lot more attention in recent times um, but what was really interesting was you know the fact that this person openly concedes that in this particular subject matter that we're talking about that they were talking about so human transfusion um, you know there were many areas where the, there was just very little evidence and this is in human medicine so if there's very little evidence around many areas to do with transfusion medicine and human medicine, we then look at the situation in veterinary medicine and, you know, the bottom line is, um, unless one is being very disingenuous, we have to accept that the quantity and especially the quality of evidence in veterinary medicine is significantly, significantly less than it is in human medicine. So if something like transfusion medicine in human medicine um, has such little and not very good quality evidence base at this point in time then you can only imagine what the situation is in veterinary medicine and yet the interesting thing is that a lot of people don't want to you know speak about these things openly and transparently um, and honestly and just you know tell it as it is um, I've certainly encountered a number of people in my career who kind of want to pretend that a lot more is known stroke proven stroke evidence-based than it really is um, and this whole concept of dogma and dogmalysis is certainly something that um, you know I think some people need to sort of look inside and think hard on um, and this kind of has, has more bearing because I do uh, another podcast which I don't do as frequently as I used to sadly but um, is about emergency and critical care medicine and it's largely focused at the uh, primary care practitioner, um, not just veterinary surgeons, but also nurses and students. And in those in that podcast series, which is called Veterinary ECC Small Talk, 
I do try and, you know, raise the issue of evidence base whenever I can, usually to point out that there isn't very much or it isn't very good. Um, but just yesterday, I started to give some thought to the next podcast episode, which is going to be on the subject of um, sepsis management. And again, this is an area that um, in some ways I wasn't keen to tackle because in human medicine, you know, again, there is there has been this big, big discussion around the evidence base for, you know, the approach to sepsis management. And really in veterinary medicine, there's virtually no evidence base and we're basically extrapolating so much from human medicine. So it's going to be an interesting podcast episode and, and that will take me a while to um, to get it to a point where I'm ready to uh, to record it. Anyway, thanks for listening. Have a fantastic weekend and um, I will catch you after the weekend. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. I really appreciate you spending some time with me. I'd really love to hear from you. Um, you can either call in to the anchor station um, or you can get hold of me in various other ways. So I'm on email at shaylenjasani at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at vetemcc. You can also find me on LinkedIn um, and on Facebook as Shailen Jasani. And indeed, if you Google me, I'm sure you'll be able to find um, a way of getting in touch. And I'd really, really love to hear from you. So thanks again for your time. Catch you soon. Bye.